You're listening to the Sarcasm Sisters podcast. Don't forget to visit our Facebook page, Sarcasm Sisters. And please leave us a rating on iTunes. Hi, Jen. Hi, Mayor. How are you? To be honest, <laughs> I'm a little tired today. <laughs> You're tired? I am. And I've just had a little bit of a long run. Been doing a lot of organizing. I traveled to Savannah this week, which was exciting. Um, but I just haven't caught up on my sleep, I guess. Mm, I can understand that. That's enough to wear you down, though. I, my first instinct was to say, I'm fine or I'm good. But yeah. today's episode is about all the things that we say, but probably don't mean. Oh my God. I love that. That's such a good lead in. So like, how are you today? Oh, I'm so good. But in your head, you're saying, well, really life sucks right now. I don't feel good. I'm tired. Sometimes I say, I'm not terrible. I'm not terrible. What a what a qualifier that is. <laughs> People have to think very carefully about the next thing that they say to me. I know. Like, when you, or like, how about when people say, how about if you're like out to eat and somebody says, how's your dinner? And it really sucks. Yeah. And, and you say, but you say like, it's okay because you know that that person is going to call out like the head chef. Oh. Right. Or say, well, let's get you something else when you really just don't want to deal with it. Yeah. So you just say, no, it's okay when I'm gagging on the octopus legs. <laughs> <laughs> or, you know, do you want some dessert? Well, no, I don't really. I just don't want dessert right now because I feel like I weigh 400 pounds. But if you insist, I guess I'll have some. So I'll say yes anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll if you have some, I'll have some. Right. The okay. person might not even want dessert. Now they're having some because they think you want some. And really, the two of you should have just taken an after dinner walk. Yeah, burn the calories instead of eat the damn calories. <laughs> right. I am gonna make dessert tonight. What are you gonna make? Um, I'm making angel food cake with crushed pineapple, and I'm gonna put some toasted coconut on top of it. Oh my gosh, that's ambitious. Um, you know what? It's one of those recipes that I had at someone's house and said to myself, I must make this. I mean, they served it to me and I didn't say this is good because I wanted to make them happy or it was just <laughs> the same old rhetoric. It was literally the one of the best desserts I've ever had. So it's happening. It's happening. But what are you going to make for dinner or aren't you? I'm going to make sort of a Salisbury steak kind of thing in my Instapot. How nice. You really like that, huh? I really do. I think if anybody listening has been thinking, should they get one? Would they like it? Oh, man, you'll totally love it. It's like a crock pot. You can boil eggs in it, make baked potatoes. You can do all these things. And the internet is full of recipes if you have no idea where to start. My kids love the Instapots. I got, I got them for both of them. I didn't get, um, so I got, there was like a trick, like I didn't realize when I bought it that it was like buy one, get one free. I, did it, I did it online at Walmart, like 
I think it was Black Friday, if I remember correctly. And um, I got two, and I was like, why did I get two? I had no idea I was getting two. So <laughs> <laughs> they both showed up on the door. My brother scored mine on Amazon Prime Day for a ridiculous, it was only up for like 14 minutes, and then it, and then it crashed Amazon because so many people wanted it. Really? Have you done wings in it? No, not yet. That sounds delicious. The kids have done wings. They they love doing stuff like that. I don't think, I actually really think I don't have room for it in my kitchen, in my closet. My cabinets are small. Mm. I, could, I could clean out my linen closet, which I could, it's really off the kitchen. So I could clean it out because, you know, I have curtains in there that, I took down because I have blinds, like nice blinds all over the house. So I don't need them. I could probably just empty one of those boxes out. I'm one of those people that likes curtains and blinds and balances. I like, I like as many things possible on the window. Hmm. I, I have just, that in one of my windows, but not all of them. I love no, movable shutters. I love everything that has to do with windows and coverings. Yeah. Hmm. Why? Because you like the light? I'm very light sensitive, so I'm constantly adjusting light. As mm-hmm. some of our listeners may know from another episode, um, I did suffer. I do suffer glaucoma and have had um, surgery on my eyes, and light is just tricky for me. Hmm. Well, it is for me too. I understand. I have that permanently dilated iris. Mm-hmm. Pupil or pupil I guess it is or maybe it's both I don't know they look like shit both of them (laughs) (laughs) but if you once you get to know you I don't notice it anymore but I imagine when somebody first meets you and they notice it they probably stare at it and then they don't mean to well the kids used to not my kids well my kids did too wait so my kids when they were younger would try to talk to my left eye where I, I couldn't see them like they would stand and talk and look into the left eye because it's different than the right eye because that's the left eye is the damaged one. And so they would look at it and talk. And so it was, then I would have to move them, shift them. <laughs> I got to look at the other eye. Like, I mean, I knew they were looking at me because I could see it on my right eye, but it was, it was like really weird to have them standing in front of the left eye. So then I finally got that all straightened out. And then when they got a little bit older and they were in elementary school and I would do things at the kids' school volunteer stuff because the eye started to turn, my left eye started to turn out a little bit since I didn't use it in a central vision. They got lazy when kids would look behind them because it was like I was looking around them. Like (laughs) it's the the weirdest thing, right? Because your eyes like kind of lazy, kind of going out to the left side of your eye, you know, on my left side. And, like, who does that? Who moves their eye to the left to go look around somebody? You don't do that. You move your head to look around. Nobody actually moves their eye around like that. It's weird. So the kids would look behind them. <laughs> and they didn't really know what to make of it because they I was talking to them, but then they thought I was talking to somebody behind them. <laughs> and then I had surgery to, to correct that. You're like a sideshow performance. It was a sideshow. I was like a freak in the circus there. Sideshow Mary. Sideshow Mary. Crazy thing. You could say for those children, it was a learning experience. But every time somebody says, it's a learning experience, I think, no, it wasn't. It was awful. Stop saying that. It was terrible. Why do you keep saying that? Like, you've got this. That's the other thing I can't stand. You've Uh, got this. How do you know I have this? 
right? How do you know? Don't say that. Oh, you know what else? You know what else is the worst when somebody says, don't worry about it. Okay. So what should I do then? Just walk by? Just pretend nothing bad is happening? Don't uh-huh. worry about it? Yeah, I'll put my or, hand like you do. He's going to be okay. Oh, that was my... That happened a lot when Sean, my son, was deployed. People would say that I... Especially people I worked with would say, don't... He's going to be fine. You worry so uh-huh. much about it. He's going to be fine. And I uh-huh. say, no. How do you know that? Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, you have to have faith. And I said, well, I do have faith, but that doesn't, faith doesn't bring people home. Nope. And it doesn't stop IEDs or bullets either. No faith, having faith. Okay. So for me, having faith means that I will pray to be strong in the face of adversity, to have support in my life, to help us through it. But like, I don't think that you don't pray. I don't pray for things like, I mean, I don't pray for a cure per se for ALS. I pray that there are people who will get up every day and go do research on it to develop the treatments and and potentially the cure. That's how we'll get to a cure. So it's real simple to say that you'll pray that they'll come home alive or they'll pray that nothing happens on the way to work today. But that's kind of silly. It doesn't really happen that way. Yeah. Well, I mean, our listeners, y'all could disagree with me on that, too. It's fine with me. I just don't I just don't understand, like, when people say that. Because I think, well, so when Sean was overseas, when he was in combat, well, he wasn't any better than the guy next to him. That's right. That didn't come home. So I don't, I don't think that we pray for that. So that's that's. A bunch of horse shit right there. <laughs> oh, how about this horse shit? When somebody starts a, sta- a statement to you with, no offense, but... No offense, but everything I'm going to say now is completely going to offend you. <laughs> I can't stand that. That's like my favorite. Well, I had somebody say in a group you and I were both in, and said, well, you know, you know I love and respect you, but... And then... <laughs> And then what? Then tore me a new asshole. Like, what is that all about? Is you it? can't possibly love and respect me if that's what you did. And, you know, everything after the word, everything before the word but, you, you never remember that. It doesn't mean anything. No, because you had to qualify it. They're qualifiers. I, I don't like, I don't, you don't have to qualify your statement. And you don't, you know, there the word, the word but can be spelled with letters from the word bullshit, too. Just by the way, that occurred to me. <laughs> oh, nice one. But so bullshit. I know. It is. Why do people do that? It's like saying, I'm sorry. That's probably the most overused phrase in, in the world right now. I'm sorry. Well, I'm, I grew up I'm saying I'm sorry I... I did that. Well, okay, but you knew what was wrong to begin with. And now you're backtracking and apologizing. How is that? the right thing to do i i grew up saying i'm sorry because i was raised by um my parents were well they were just different kind of people hard to please people people who are always upset always on the edge very explosive people and i got in a terrible habit of saying i'm sorry about everything 
where, to the point where if I, at one point in my life, if I counted how many times I said, I'm sorry, oh my gosh, in one day, it would, I wouldn't have been able to keep up the count. So I've been making a conscious effort this year to not say I'm sorry, because truly I don't do a lot of things that I'm sorry for, that I actually feel apologetic about. So instead I've been saying, that's rough news or how unfortunate or man, that really stinks for you because that, that those things I feel, but I don't feel sorry when I haven't caused anything. Okay. But so what do you say when like, I mean, I agree with you a hundred percent by the way, but, but what are some of the kind of condolences that you can say to people? Like, that's like a really typical one. I'm in a, um, I'm in a support group online, a Facebook group for uh, spouses of people with ALS. And almost every day, somebody posts that their spouse died. And you kind of run out of the kind words to say, because maybe I didn't even really know this person. But I would know that, like, I know, like, for me, if I were to post in that group, I would just want to know that people were hearing my pain. Mm -hmm. So... Sometimes I run out of things to say, and I don't mean that to be mean at all. Like, I'm very caring about it, and it hurts me to see that all the time. But sometimes I do, like, sort of lean on that. Like, I'm so sorry for your loss. Well, I have a couple of tactics. Um, with, with humans, with people, oftentimes I'll say, I'll say a prayer for your comfort. And then I will right then as I write it. I'll say a prayer for your comfort. I mean, you can pray while you type those words. Mm-hmm. Other times I'll say I'm sending positive vibes. If I know it's somebody who isn't really, doesn't really have a, um, a deity, a faith in a deity, I'll say I'm sending positive vibes your way. And then I'll literally sort of, I don't know, send a little energy their way while I'm typing that. Um, I think you can say, I, you can say things like, I can't imagine how, how difficult this is for you. And I hope, you know, we're here if you need to, to talk or vent or chat or share your, your feelings, because Hmm. that's true. It is true. Yeah. I like that. I'm very much avoiding saying, I'm sorry. I haven't caused anyone's family to die or anyone's pet to pass away. When someone's pet passes away, I generally say almost the same thing and post a couple of emojis. I'll say, um, how lucky we are to have our pets here on earth. It truly is the way that we experience unconditional love. Mm -hmm. And then I'll say, I know that Sparky or Molly is waiting for you on the other side of the rainbow bridge patiently or something like that. That's good. I do notice that you're very good with that on social media. No, thank you. Well, I do. Social media is a great place to find some comfort from others when you are experiencing tragedy and loss and you don't know where to turn. And I, I myself have done that. And so I want to be supportive and I do feel supportive of others, but I, I can't be sorry for things I don't, I haven't caused. Um, I spent too much of my life saying, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And then feeling the guilt that, you know, that goes along with sort of being sorry. And I just don't need that in my life anymore. Hmm. I like that. Who knew that was going to come out of this? <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, that this kind of brings me to that other saying, 
I don't care what people think of me. Um, yes. Well, if you didn't care, you wouldn't say that first of all. And second of all, we're human. We all really do care what other people think about us. Uh, really? Well, kind of. To a certain extent. I mean, Tom really doesn't care what most people think about him. Okay, that's true. (laughs) Old Sparky there, he doesn't really care too much what people think about him. He just goes on his way. (laughs) How How about this one? This is really common. When people say, literally. Oh, yeah. I literally died. It was so funny. Is it wait? That was in Park and Rec. Who was the character in Park and Rec who always said that? Literally, <laughs> literally. Um, yeah, it, it it's very often is not the case that you're literally anything. Or honestly, how about honestly? So honestly, honestly and I say that too myself. I catch <laughs> myself saying, well, "Well, honestly," and then I then I think, "Well, that sounds like everything else you say is not honest." Then. <laughs> yeah, now I can't trust you at all. You're <laughs> lying to me because you had to say honestly. That means that you really don't like green beans because before that you said, "Oh, I had delicious green beans for lunch." Now, honestly, I just wanted to tell you how I feel about that hamburger. <laughs> um, I think if we can get away from using these this sort of superlative language, it opens us up to having a much more authentic conversations. Uh, as a public speaker, I know that my my vocabulary and my tone are not necessarily different, but I'm I'm more careful about the words that I use now than I ever had been than I was five years ago. And I definitely think we can all do better at saying what we mean and meaning what we say. There's a little rhetoric for you. <laughs> hmm, I like that. So now, but so how do you feel about? With your public speaking, what you just explained about your public speaking, I won't repeat it, but um, how does that affect your writing then? Do you feel more inhibited with your writing then? I do have more pause with my writing. I do have to think more about my writing than I once did because I think my brain is now wired to pause a bit. Mm -hmm. Um, So journaling even journaling is a little bit more difficult and i'm you know that's good instinct on your part by by recognizing that yeah i can understand it and i i just wrote a um a technical piece a technical guide it's not published soon but it's a it's a guide for uh veterans with als it's a va guide for veterans with ALS and their caregivers navigating the benefits and the healthcare system in the VA. It's very technical. Lots of um, lots of research and explaining things clearly and succinctly. No no opinions at all in it. Mm-hmm. Keeping it really tight and links to get um, the readers back to the original documents, the policies, the forms, that kind of thing. And I felt like it really... In- it really impacted my personal writing for a couple of weeks anyway. I think I might be past it now, but it was a struggle because I like when my writing is more fluid. I often use talk to text, which helps me. It it requires some editing, but I think that fluidity that you seek is what I've found by using talk to text. 
I try to stay away from these cliches, like, <laughs> as the crow flies. <laughs> such an old, nasty cliche, as the crow flies, or unbeknownst to me. Oh, no one needs to read all those extra words. And that's a big something else that's come out of my speaking. You can eliminate a lot of words in your communication. You can. We just did a, I did, I did a work writing workshop over the weekend and some of the constraints we used were things like all the words that have an e in it no no no. we did we did um every seventh word to take out every seventh word something like that i don't know I, i don't even know what i'm talking about right now but it was something like that. We put these constraints in to remove words because you could take out an amazing amount of words in your writing. Oh, I, I mean, if you cut deep in the edit, uh-oh, there's a cliche. But for real, <laughs> you, take, you take the red pen to your paper, you can make some deep cuts and not only keep the meaning, but really enhance the experience for the reader or the listener. So I think, so we're sort of, we're doing what we do best on Sarcasm Sisters. We're we're sort of meandering here, but I think when you write, you you should write what you want to write. You should get it out, get it all out. Just put it out there, type away, handwrite it, however it is you do it. And then you have to boldly take a pen to it yourself at first. And then you have to give it to somebody who can workshop it for you, who can work it over for you. Because a lot of times if we're writing, whether we're writing fiction or nonfiction, it, it doesn't matter. We have an idea of what that story should be, but we can't always convey it. Mm-hmm. We think that we can. And sometimes on our other podcast, this Caregiver Life, when we, you and I were speaking about this yesterday, we sometimes have guests on or, or in planning of having guests as well to remember that we have to give the backstory of the person who we're interviewing because we, we know the situation, but the other people, people who are listening don't know the situation. Well, same thing with your readers. They don't know. They don't know who your character really is all about because you fail to really convey that because you know it in your head. Yes. Well, we've come to that point in Sarcasm Sisters when it's time to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about what we're drinking and 13 cliches that need to be retired. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, and we're back. So, Mayor, what are you drinking today? Well, I know it's crazy, but I'm drinking pure water. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing special. I was going to make a cup of tea, and I kind of ran out of time. Mm-hmm. I was going to make a cup of tea and have an orange, and then I kind of ran out of time and so I'm having water because I did yoga today and I exercised I went out for a freezing cold walk this morning three miles and I feel like I don't drink enough water so I'm trying to be healthy and I know I could have just said water but what fun would that be so I threw a lot of extra words in there to give you a a different (laughs) answer what are you drinking today peppermint tea it is um it's a chilly 60 degrees here in Florida and um, <laughs> for all our listeners who feel um, sorry for me who are up in the north, but I have, I'm really just into herbal tea right now. I'm just into everything herbal tea, any kind of tea. 
tea bags or are you using leaves? I'm using bags this time, but I do also like to use tea leaves. And, you know, we never, we never really did find anybody who can read tea leaves or tell us what that's about. So if you're listening and you know about reading tea leaves, we definitely want to hear from you. <laughs> oh, good idea. Um, okay. Are you ready for the 12 cliches that writer's digest says should be permanently retired and then our bonus 13 number 13 yes okay avoid it like the plague (laughs) dead as a doornail i don't even know what a doornail is i don't know why it's dead i never met a door that was quiet so i don't really get that one at all um take the tiger by the tail Grab yeah, the tiger by the tail. I mean, come on. I mean, I get metaphorically what that means, but whoever did that once and survived it, nobody. <laughs> no one did. Um, go for the low-hanging fruit. Oh, please. Nobody's picking their own fruit these days. <laughs> now, I, I did grow up with access to an orchard on my grandparents' farm, and I know what low-hanging fruit is, but most people have no idea what that means. That's just... That's just fancy office speak that doesn't really mean getting low-hanging fruit. Um, How about this? If only walls could talk. Oh, my God. Like, I picture, like, lips on my walls when you say that. How about those things people put on trees at Halloween to make (laughs) the trees look like they have a face? Yeah, like, like I expect, like, the in my mind, they're going, like, wah, 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 like, you know, on a cartoon. (laughs) uh, Here's a good one. The pot calling the kettle black. Now, who has black pots and kettles these days? It's like a million years old, that cliche. And and people are still using it. And it doesn't mean anything. Yeah, that's crazy. Oh, you're just, I'm, you're just as bad as me. Blah, blah. So it's got sort of a super judgy one. Okay. I hate (laughs) this one. I hate this one. And it comes out of, at in the workplace so much think outside the box oh that's so old school man you know think outside the box okay well what if i think circular you're not gonna like that (laughs) how about okay these are not on the list of 12 from writer's digest but how about this when people talk about their capacity or their bandwidth as if we're electronics that and bandwidth is like totally like a new one that I've heard probably a hundred times in the last month. Well, I don't know if you have the bandwidth for it, then go for it. Mm-hmm. Like, it's almost like telling you to go after yourself. Oh, we gave so-and-so the promotion and the raise because he has the capacity to do so much more. What that means is that he didn't have enough work already. and i I have no bandwidth therefore i can't get a promotion or a raise (laughs) you can't even plug yourself in (laughs) um so how about this they're thick as thieves oh yeah that's just like conjures up naughty people do you think about robin hood that's what i think about (laughs) yeah thick as thieves well it sounds like you're you're in like i don't know like a dangerous part of town, man. Thick as thieves. Okay, this next one is so ridiculous. When people say, at the end of the day, blah, blah, blah. What they're, what they're really trying to say, they're trying to get down to their point. 
And these are cliches and extra words at their finest. At the end of the day, everything worked out the way it was supposed to. Give me a break. And whose whose troubles end at the end of the day? Right. I mean, how many times did you lay in bed and you think to yourself, I should have taken my anti-anxiety medication because I can't stop thinking about the problems I had today that are probably going to be there when I wake up in the morning unless I don't wake up. Then I won't have the problems. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. So um, some of my friends here in, some of my friends that I um, have met in Jacksonville who are younger, Jacksonville is a very young town, um, will probably hate this, even though they use an app, they, they use an app that sounds like this, plenty of fish in the sea. Oh, oh don't worry about that guy breaking up with you. There's plenty of fish in the sea. Oh, yeah, like, where are they, though? Yeah, really. Are they good fish? Are they the smelly fish? Are they the kind of fish that, like, have a million bones in them or that nobody wants to eat anyway because they have lead poisoning or, like... Or bottom feeders, like catfish? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But there's a dating app called Plenty of Fish, which I think is kind of funny, but the Plenty of Fish in the Sea is just... That's old. Um, Every dog has its day. Yeah, what does that mean? I never got that one. I don't know. Is it, you know, that the award-winning dog who escaped at the Atlanta airport yesterday certainly had his day. Yeah. And um, George Bush's service dog, Sully, has had his day. Oh. Right? Every time I see him in the news, that makes me so happy. I know. Me too. He's such a nice-looking dog. But I don't really get what that means. Every dog has its day. Maybe if one of our listeners could send us a message explaining that to us, that would be really helpful. I think it means something like everybody has the chance to make a difference. But I could be wrong. It's it's really an idiom that I don't like. Mm-mm. All right. We're getting down to the nitty gritty. Number 12, like a kid in a candy store. Oh, well, people say that about adults, though. That's so kind of insulting, don't you think? It really is. You know, like an adult gets so excited. They're like a kid who's looking at all the candy. Or are they talking about the kid who has um, a meltdown because he can't have all the candy? (laughs) (laughs) That's really more realistic, isn't it? (laughs) It is. Well, what is the one what is the one cliche not on the list? Oh, it's that's on your list that you I have one that drives me insane. Which one? I think it's the same. I think it's the Sarcasm Sisters bonus 13 cliches that got to go. Long story short. Oh, yeah. I just (laughs) I just (laughs) I just can't even handle that. When you hear that, you. A long story. <laughs> like, go the other way. Okay, so I have something to tell you. Blah, 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 long story short, and you can feel the glaze coming over your eyes. Yeah. That's what we need to call this episode, long story short. There we go, long story short. Mayor, I'm having a little trouble hearing you, so I hope You are? Yeah, I hope it's not me, and I hope it's not our recording. I just wanted to let our listeners know. Um, we've come to the end of our 13 cliches that have got to go. We're going to post some links for you. We'll even post a link to Instapod if you want to 
check that out and I'll post a link to my dessert recipe that I'm going to try out tonight. Um, and we, again, love to hear from our listeners. So please visit our Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash sarcasm sisters. Drop us a note, send us a message. If you have a question or feedback, we'd love to hear that. We're going to give a shout out to our listener that listens to us while she fixes dinner for her family and another listener who puts her headphones in when she goes to bed because her husband snores loudly and she falls asleep after she's listened to a couple of episodes of sarcasm sister so thank you so much for listening okay. and until next time have your, have your cake and eat it too tonight <laughs> bye. i will bye bye mayor <laughs>